takes place at the end of two weeks of distribution. And uh, this time, uh, uh, we did something different. We, we wanted to do, this doesn't sound good, we wanted to do what the missionary wanted to do. Uh, we always do what the missionary wants to do, but we said, look, we were just there uh, four years ago, and uh, we did a, a citywide distribution. We had a bunch of people that came for that. Do you want to do that again, or what is it that you would like to uh, attempt? And right now, the church uh, went from a Bible study to a church, and they're running back and forth between 20 to 24 members. Uh, to, I think today, Cheryl said that they, they only had 17 or 18. But they have visitors virtually every service. If they get everybody there at one time, they would probably run about 30 people. So he said, well, what I'd really like to do is I'd like to have uh, a, a night of Bible in the park. Oh, I'm not big on park ministries for a couple of reasons, but uh, we've done park ministries in Oshkosh a, a few times, and you're, you're left at the whim of the weather, number one. Number two, people have to show up at the park when you're over there, so you never, you never know what the weather's going to be like until that afternoon. You never know how many people are going to be there, and so even though we will advertise some, uh, we're just never sure how it's going to go. And uh, so we went into the, we went around the area and we passed out uh, John Romans with announcements that we were going to have this evening in the park. Everything was free, which was completely foreign to them. They get absolutely nothing free from the government. They get absolutely nothing free from the Catholic Church. Uh, the, uh, Croatia is more Catholic than Poland is, which is hard to believe. But if you ever look at a map, uh, it, it's right across the Adriatic Sea from Italy. And so the, 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 they traveled across very short distance to be able to get over. And so the, the Catholic priests were the one that, that did all the work there, church planting and everything. The people will tell you that they're Catholic, but most of them don't go to church, except for kind of like they do here, Christmas, Easter, and maybe a special day. And, uh, but nothing is free. From the time that you are born, you start paying the priest and the Catholic Church for everything that gets accomplished. From the time that you are born, you get the blessing, to the time that you get baptized as a baby, uh, to the time you take confirmation, to the time you go into the church and start praying for your dead relatives. You're paying for all of that all the way up until you die, and then it just continues on, generation after generation. And so to come in and to get them to stop and listen and think about something that's completely foreign to them, we're going to give you a Bible and we want you to read it and we're going to start Bible studies to help you learn what the Bible says. Uh, it takes a while for that to really, uh, really register. As we looked back at our last few campaigns, we went from having our first campaign in Moldova, we had over 1,800 people show up. Now, as time has gone on and we change countries, when you get to Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and Croatia, uh, uh, for every 1,000 invitations that you pass out, one person comes to the meeting. So you think you've got an uphill battle here when you try and invite somebody out to church for a big deal. Okay, have you worked on 1,000 of them to trying to get them to come out for a special day? So, but we did, have a, we did have a good turnout. We were there for two weeks that first time. 
But as we looked back at it, most of the people that come to the meeting at the end of the two weeks is probably 50 and above. Most of them being 60 or more because they remember or they heard stories from communism. And so they want to get a Bible. And if they come to the meeting uh, and stay for the whole thing, we give them a free Bible and invite them out to a Bible study. But we realize we're missing the young families. We're missing the teenagers. We're missing the children. And so he said, what I would like to do is the evening in the park. And we're going to set up and we're going to, we're going to let them know that it's all free. The area that we uh, did the first one in was all apartments, uh, just block after block after apartment, most of it full of young families. And so we end up with a, a, a plot of land that's a regular park that's about 20 acres. And we confiscate, well, we didn't confiscate it. We, we took over about five and a half to seven acres, had to get permission from the city and everything bunch of paperwork to be able to do that, et cetera. So we did that, and we put up signs all over the place, helium balloons. A helium balloon draws anybody that wants to let a balloon go. No, don't let it go. You're supposed to hang on to it. Tie it around your wrist or something like that. But we had these bright gold color helium balloons, which as people are driving by or they're riding on the bus or they're taking the tram to come from work to their apartment on this street and then another one or another set of same thing on this street is highly visible. There's no trees. There's no shade. You're just out there in the open with these balloons. There was two bounce houses. There were several games for the children and these signs all over that said free, free, free. Well, you and I would say, okay, well, let's go see what that's all about. They're saying, what's the catch? There's always a hook in it somewhere. So it was rather funny. The parents would come over, and they would stand out on the edge. They'd stand out on the sidewalk. The children would go in and, and do, play, with, play the games and do the bounce house and all the other stuff that was set up. But the parents would, were very slow to walk in. But as time went by, they would slowly come in and start watching their children. We had a Bible table set up. We passed out a, a couple hundred Bibles. The, the first meeting, we had a, a, a Christian coloring book that had several Bible stories in it for the younger children. We had bottles of water that had the name of the church and everything on it. And they kept saying, what's the catch? <laughs> Why is this free? And so we told them, look... Uh, this is, the, this is New Life Baptist Church. They, they're wanting to start a Bible study over on this side of town and to be able to start a second church. And so we just wanted to let you know who we are and what's going on and that uh, we would like to invite you to the Bible study. Here, here's a Bible you can take home and you can start reading. We'd, if I was you, I'd start in the book of Genesis or start in the book of John. And so everybody under the age of 40, most of them spoke a fair amount of English, so it's very easy to talk to people. Whereas when you're out on the street passing out John and Romans, you're just trying to pass out as many John Romans as you can. You're not taking time to talk to anybody unless they come back with questions because we're trying to get as much literature out. Here it was a much more relaxed setting. So there was time to be able to stand around and talk. I missed a classic picture at the end of the time. Not only did the children love the balloons, but people my age and up wanted the balloon. 
Wait a minute, Grandpa, don't you realize the balloons are for the children? We had a guy that he, he took those long balloons and he made swords and hats and geese and I don't know what all he made. The picture that I missed was this old guy, prob- I don't want to offend you, an older person, he was about 80 on his bicycle who had a red balloon hat on his head, <laughs> riding off with a Bible under his arm. I uh, just didn't, couldn't get my phone out, out quick enough. Uh, we did that in the, that meeting we had uh, over, we had close to 500 people show up. The second thing that we had in the park was right behind the church. Uh, there's a small park there. And so it's more of a neighborhood outreach for that. Okay, why, are the, why do you all have balloons and a bounce house and face painting and hot dogs and lemonade and water? Why? What is this all about? We're just letting you know and remember, church is right here. We're open every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and we're, we're just, we want you to be able to come to church. And so it was a very interesting time. We, got a, we did get a classic picture of, of Cheryl. There was a, a lady, well, probably about Cheryl's of my age, that she was, she was the neighborhood grandma. She walked over there with this great big smile on her face and just sat down on the bench and just was enjoying watching herself. Well, she couldn't take it any longer. She gets up and she starts playing the games with some of the children. She didn't do the bounce sauce, but she played the games with the other children and then just sat down on the bench and Cheryl tried to talk to her. Well, she didn't know any English and Cheryl didn't pull out her Google Translate on her phone to be able to really communicate. But we got it across to her, Cheryl got it across to her, that uh, we have a Bible for you also. Well, she was so excited to get a Bible, she called a friend of hers and said, you need to come over here. There's something going on, and they're giving away Bibles and hot dogs. And so, anyway, she came over. We got a classic picture, a classic picture of that. So next time I'm here, I will... Uh, I will hopefully have things organized and and to be able to do that. Turn in your Bible tonight to uh, Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. Before I start in Genesis chapter 20, I'm going to give you just a few verses. Uh, I don't know if you take notes on messages that you hear. But let me just throw this out to you. If you don't normally take notes, if you struggle with life, if you have Times where you just say, man, this, this, is, this is just an uphill battle. Or I, I just, I, I'm struggling with my Christian faith. Or I'm just, uh, does God even know that I, I'm here? I pray and I don't know if my prayers. If you struggle with life, get out a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper. And I'm going to give you some verses that I will run through relatively quickly once I get through the introduction that I want you to write down. Uh, anybody who's been coming to church and reading their Bible for a while, if, if you've been saved for, I'm going to say, five years and are reading your Bible, if you've been coming to church here for a couple years, whether you're reading your Bible or not, and you should be, there's some things that we already know. What are, what are a few things we know? Romans 8.26 says, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So I, I could inject in there, The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not 
uh, what we should pray for as we ought. But we do know that the Holy Spirit itself maketh intercession for us uh, with groanings and utterances that cannot be uttered. Uh, you ever been in a place where you were so burdened, so concerned, so weighed down about a situation, fill in the blank, where you just ran out of words? You just couldn't think of anything else to say. And there was just this, oh, a groan. I've had the groans. I've had the tears. I've had the, Lord, I don't know what else to say. The Holy Spirit takes all of that and interprets it and gives it to the Father. So we know that. Um, If you've been coming to church and reading your Bible, Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for good to, the, uh, to them to love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. We know that. But it doesn't seem like it when we're going through the trial. We know that God has our best in mind, but it seemed like, wait a minute, why did, <laughs> what's the deal with this? John 5, 1 John 5, 19, and we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. If you're saved, you are in God and God is in you. Does the whole world lie in wickedness? Have you paid any attention to the news this last couple years? I just, uh, I, I don't know what happened to our country. We have... They're talking about dismissing it, but they haven't yet. There's two boys in Wisconsin, I believe that they're 11 and 12 or 10 and 11, that were going to be taken to court because they actually talked to a a young lady and called her a her. They called her by the feminine pronoun, not by the accepted pronoun that this young lady wanted to be called by. Does that even make any sense? You go to a bathroom now, and I don't even know why they put the men's sign on the door and the women's sign on the door, because it sounds like it's open season. You go to the bathroom that you feel like going to. If you identify as a woman today, just go on in. It makes absolutely no sense. Much less we get into politics and everything that's gone on just in the last few years, and I'm not going to go any further on, on any of that, but if you paid attention to the news, you just scratch your head and say, Lord, what in the world is going on? I got in a big conversation with a man here just a couple of days ago. And he said, I can't wait till we get a conservative in the White House. He said, we should, we should be able to take the White House with the next two, uh, with a primary or with a one coming up here in the uh, end, of the, end of the fall and then with the presidential election. Don't think that that's going to turn it around. The whole world lieth in wickedness. We know, but we know that we are of God. First John 5, 20, and we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. I love coming to church. Because up until, I, up until I got saved at the age of 31, it, was, it didn't make any sense. I got saved, and I realized 
who God was and what God had done for me and watch, be able to watch all these last 40-some years to see God work in our life time after time after time to realize that I'm in God and, he, and, and he's in me and I have eternal life. I am I'm ready to die, but I'm not ready to go yet tonight, okay? I... I <laughs> Uh, I would like to get home. We, we got a couple of things like everybody else does that uh, you, you, you like to accomplish. I did not say it to Sarah and Dustin, but I, I have said it to uh, our, our granddaughter that just got married the weekend before. I said, you know, the Lord's coming back and somebody's not going to have a wedding. <laughs> Will you stop and think about it? Uh, anyway, I, did, I didn't pull that on Sarah and Dustin uh, the other night. I just... <laughs> But we have all these plans. We're wanting to go to heaven, but we all have things that we would like to do or accomplish or uh, things along that line. Those are things that we know. But we can still struggle with life and all its challenges. It may be our health, our job, finances, children, a spouse, our tongue, an attitude, anxiety, discouragement, and at times maybe even depression. And certainly most, if not all of us, have struggled with having a consistent walk with the Lord. Even Paul did in, in uh, Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 25. He says, the things that I would do, those are the things that I, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. I mean, here's Paul, one of the greatest missionaries, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived in the New Testament. He, he struggled with life and was frustrated with, with, his, with his walk. Life and circumstances can leave us feeling separated from God or like we have a distant relationship Frustrated, empty, alone, and wondering if he even cares or hears our prayers. Is anybody else like that or had times like that in their life? Or is it just Cheryl and I? Things that we know that we are in Christ, and Christ is in us, we have eternal life. What is it that God knows? Oh, God knows everything. That's true, but... Uh, in Genesis chapter 20, we're going to look at just a handful of things, two handfuls of things that, that God knows. Genesis chapter 20 and verses 1 through 6. He knows the integrity of our heart. John, uh, Genesis chapter 20 verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from thence toward the south country and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech uh, in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her and said, Lord, wilt thou slay also the, uh, a righteous nation? She uh, said he not unto me, she is my sister. And she, even she herself said, he is my brother in the integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands. I have done this. And God said unto him in a dream, yea, I know that thou didst this in, thy, in the integrity of 
of thy heart. And I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. God knows the integrity of our heart. You ever done something for somebody and it was misinterpreted? You ever said something to somebody and they completely misunderstood what it was? God knows the integrity of our heart and our thoughts and our desires of what it is. It, it, it may have caused confusion between a husband and wife or, or some family member or somebody at work or whatever, but God knows our intentions. He knows the integrity of our heart. Uh, the next one, turn to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. God knows our sorrows. God knows our sorrows. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. God knows the struggles, the sorrows, the heartaches that you have. Turn to Job chapter 23. Job, Job, just before the book of Proverbs. Job chapter 23. He knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. Job 23 and beginning in verse 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He knows the way that we take. He knows our desires. He, he will guide us if we take time to seek after him, to search the scriptures, to, to, to uh, spend time talking to him, to get good godly counsel. He knows the way. To, he knows where we're going to end up before we ever get there. He knows the way that I take. Uh, Psalm chapter 1 verse 6. He knows the way of the righteous. He knows the way of the righteous, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 6. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We don't have to, we're going to die. This flesh is going to go the way of all the earth, but we don't have to worry about that when we're saved. It may be a difficult time. It may be a rough passing through that valley of the shadow of death. It may not be a quick transition from life to death, but he knoweth the way of the righteous. He watches. He not only knows the integrity of our heart, he, he knows our intentions and everything, but he knows that if we are seeking after him, he's going to guide us and he's going to get us where he wants us to be, the way of the righteous. Verse, uh, Psalm 37, 18. 37, 18. He knows the days of the upright. Psalm 37, 18. He knows the days of the upright. Psalm 37 and verse 18. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. There's more to life than this life. 
We have an inheritance that's uncomprehendable. Eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard the things that are waiting for us. But he knoweth the days of the upright. Uh, We were over at Adirondack Baptist Church, which is just north of Amsterdam, about uh, 20 minutes or so. And uh, I let the church, uh, pastor was asking me, he says, uh, last time you were here, you were in your late 60s. I said, I'm 73. Not only am I 73, but in September, I'm going to be 74. He says, nobody tell, talks about that. He says, I noticed you had it on your prayer card when you were born. He says, people don't do that. I said, I'm glad that I made it. I said, when I got saved at 31, I, wasn't th- I was afraid I wasn't going to live much more than four or five years the way my life was going. I made it to 73. I've turned into worse than a teenager because I not only say I'm 73, but I'm going to be 74. Anyway, he knows the days of the upright. He knows the secrets of the heart. Psalm 44, verse, starting in verse 20. Psalm 44. He knows the secrets of the heart. Psalm 44, beginning in verse 24. We have forgotten the name of our God. Uh, if we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. He knows the bad secrets, but he also knows the good secrets. He knows uh, the desires of our heart. He knows the things that we wish for, that we would like, that we want. Uh, it's not just all the bad things. Uh, sometimes sometimes in, in, I, I realize it probably does not happen here, where pastor has a tendency to point out, just preach all the, all the bad stuff. You know, you're all a bunch of wicked sinners. Yes, I know that. <laughs> okay, but for the most part, as far as I know, we're all working towards being the best godly person that we can be. And so he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Uh, it was rather fun. Our, our, uh, we've had our uh, second granddaughter married. This is the third grandchild. We've got another one coming up in, uh, in December that's going to be Hannah, Hannah Brendestall is getting married. It was so fun watching, uh, uh, watching Trina Gordon. She's been living with us. She's a teacher at our Christian school. I've watched her grow up from this shy, quiet little girl to the place where she got a job at uh, Chick-fil-A. It's, boy, that's not going to work. She's going to have to actually talk to somebody. Uh, I mean, she used to wear her hair down over at least one eye so she, you couldn't really see her or anything like that. This is not going to work. She popped out of her shell when she got that job. They, they taught her and trained her how to be a good public servant. And I was talking to the manager one time. And I said, I am impressed, impressed with what you do with your, with your young people here, how you teach them and train them. There, there's special classes that they go to, and they teach them about hygiene and, and everything. He says, we realize that this is just an entry level job. This is not where they're going to be the rest of their lives. This is maybe their first job that they've ever had. We want them to be good workers no matter where they go. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. But Trina, all of her life, has been very quiet and shy. Uh, Even after once Chick-fil-A hours were over, she was rather quiet and shy. But it's been fun watching her. All of a sudden, oh, when she moved in with us, I said, uh, 
because she's a, a family member, she can move in with us. We've got room uh, downstairs all finished, and she can have the downstairs, and the church won't have to pay her uh, that one less thing to have to pay for. And uh, so she's been living with us, so we've been able to get to know her even better. I wish I had the time to have each one of the grandkids come and live with us for at least four or five months. It's, it's just a real treat and delight. But whenever she was around a guy... It never lasted more than two weeks because, Papa, they just expect you to talk to them all the time. I just. So when she moved in with us, I told her, I said, you got three years. And she said, three years for what? I said, three years to find Mr. Wonderful and get out of my basement. (laughs) Mr. Wonderful showed up last December. They've known each other since kindergarten. But they never, had never spent a bunch of time together. When Russell, one of the, the first year that they were in school together, Russell told his mom, I want to marry that girl. Well, he stuck to it. I mean, she, they moved to Tennessee. Uh, uh, they moved to North Carolina. They moved to Tennessee. Uh, she finished up college and everything. Came up there, and Mr. Wonderful shows up. She's going to be, she's gonna be skill, continue to be a school teacher, but she's going to be a farmer's wife. Is that going to be a treat watching that that transformation take place? But the excitement, the, 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 the bubble, the sparkle in her eyes, now that Mr. Wonderful has showed up, is that our... Remember when you first got saved? Some of us it was, wow, my sin has been forgiven. All of it. Other people were... Thank you, Lord. Not, maybe I'm just a little bit wound tighter than some people are, but other people were just kind of calm, cool, and collected. And thank you, Lord, for saving my soul and changing me. What is your attitude when, when God really begins to work in your life and your heart? He knows the secrets of your heart. Uh, he knows the thoughts of man. Turn to Psalm 94. Psalm 94 and verse 11. Psalm 94, he knows the thoughts of man. 94 verse 11, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of man and that they are vanity. No, yes. Uh, You ever thought too highly of yourself? (laughs) You ever given yourself a pat on the back as you accomplish something? He knows the thoughts of our heart and we don't all live in vanity all the time, but uh, he, he knows our thoughts. He knows our frame. He knows our frame. Psalm 103, verse 14. Psalm 103, verse 14. For he knoweth our frame and remembereth that we are dust. When we're struggling with life, he knows what we're going through. He's the one that created us from dust we came to dust where we're going to go back to. Uh, but he's the one that created us. So he knows. You ever heard the statement, and I, I believe that I've made it a couple of times while I've been, God will never give you more than you can handle? That's not true. That's, that's, not, a, that's not an accurate statement. God gives us. God allows us to have more than we can handle so that we do trust in him, so that we do follow, so that we do seek after, so that we get in our Bible and say, Lord, if there's ever a time I needed something to hear from heaven, to hear from you, uh, I need it today because I'm really struggling. He knows our frame. He knows our weaknesses, not just our strengths. 
Uh, he knows where we live. Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah chapter 37. This is one of my all-time favorites. I have used this on Jeremy and Heather for years. Uh, they, would, they would get a hold. They, they ended up finishing a Bible college together, which is the only time that I ever let any of our kids get married before they finished Bible college. But uh, we let them do that, but the struggle started. And uh, so I would keep saying to Dad, Dad, oh, man, you never. I said, God, uh, Jeremy, does God know where you live? Well, yeah, yeah. No, I said, stop. Does God know where you live and what you need? Well, yes. Isaiah 37, 28. But I know thy abode and thy going out and thy coming in. I know thy abode and thy going out. He is paying attention. The, the times that you're struggling where you feel like your prayers are not going anyplace. He knows your frame. He knows the intents of your heart. He knows your integrity. He knows the secrets of your heart. He knows what you're going through. He was the one that created you. And we can, we can question, why, Lord, is, why is this happening to me? Or why am I going through all this? Whether it be a physical or a mental or, or a spiritual thing. But he, he knows where we live. He knows what we need. We just need to uh, continue to work on that consistent life. Uh, uh, he knows those who trust him. Nahum uh, chapter 1. He knows those who trust him. Nahum chapter 1. I cheated, and if you have a, a Schofield Bible, it's on page 952. I was looking it up earlier today, and I thought, okay, it's, it's, it's in here where the old prophet says somewhere is in here. Uh, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Nahum. <clears throat> He knows those who trust him. Nahum 1, 7. The Lord is good and a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust him. I've asked the children sometimes, are you trusting God? Oh, yeah, Dad, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting God. No. <laughs> are you seriously trusting God, or are you trying to fix it all by yourself? Well, I prayed about it. Are you really Trusting God, are you working out the thing by yourself? He knoweth them that trust him. These next few are going to be very familiar. Uh, he knows what we need before we ask. He knows what we need before we ask. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Matthew 6, 8. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before Ye ask him. Well, you're just taking these verses out of context. No, I'm just reading verses that said this is the things that God knows. He knows what we need before we ask. Sometimes he gives us stuff that we never even asked for. You ever had that happen to you? Uh, we had a situation recently where I said, wow, I didn't even pray about it and look what the Lord did. Uh, but he knows what we need before we ask. Turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. He knows our hearts. Larry, some of these are repetitive. Yes. Why are they repetitive? 
because we have short memories and forget how much he does love us and is concerned and wants to be involved in our life. He knows our hearts. Luke 16, beginning in verse 14. And the Pharisees also, and the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things and they derided him. And he said to them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. He knoweth our hearts. John chapter 10, verse 27. You're going to recognize this one right away. He knows his sheep. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He knows his sheep. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. He knows those that are his. 2 Timothy, just a little bit before the book of Hebrews. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 19, nevertheless, the foundations of God stand the sure, having this seal, that the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He knoweth those that are his. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, just a little ways past the book of Hebrews. 2 Peter chapter 2. He knows how to rescue the godly out of temptation. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 19. 2.19. Uh, 9. I was going to say, that, that didn't sound right. Yeah, because I've got, I've got 9 written, uh, underlined in my Bible. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment and to punishment. I'll give you a personal example. I'm not going to go into detail. I had in my mind something that I was going to do that I knew was wrong. This is not recently, but this is probably 15 years ago that I thought about it dwelt on it too much, convinced myself, you know, what's it going to hurt? Who's going to know? I can always confess it after I'm done. Just before I got ready to do this particular thing, the phone rang. It wasn't anybody from church. I don't even remember who was on the other end of the phone. And I, I debated, do I answer the phone or not? But I knew... God had put it on somebody's heart to call me just before I got ready to commit sin. You can think about that what you want to, but he knows what's going on. He knows those that are his, and he knows how to rescue us out of temptation. But you don't understand, I've got this temptation that I've been fighting and fighting and fighting. Just keep fighting. When, when I got saved, I was so accustomed to, when I got done mowing the lawn, the first thing that I would do was walk in the house, open up the refrigerator, and open up a can of beer. Do you know how long I fought that? 
before I finally conquered it. Matter of fact, I, I got to the place where before I was even finished mowing the lawn after I was saved, I'm already thinking about, man, a cold beer would sure, t- well, I'm not even supposed to be thinking about this. Lord, help me. Uh, get these thoughts out of here, out of my head. He says, you're the one that put them in there. I didn't put them in there. And so the only way that I was able to defeat that was I just qu- kept quoting John 3, 16 over and over and over because it was the only Bible verse that I really knew. And I finally got past the temptation. We all face temptations. Some of them are big, some of them are small, but we know if the temptation is wrong. A temptation, you ever been tempted to do good? <laughs> you ever been tempted to do right? We don't, when we use the word temptation, it's not usually in a good way that we, that we find that in the Bible or in our lives. But he knows how to rescue the godly out of temptation. And uh, then 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, he knows all things. Yes, we all know that, but this was a good Bible study for me to help me remember God does know everything, including where I live, where my heart is, where my mind is. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, and uh, beginning in verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemneth, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. I started out with the things that we know. If you've been in church, you've been reading your Bible. There's so, we know that God knows everything. But for me, this was a help for me to write down these Bible verses, to, do the, to, to spend time in the Bible, just looking up what is it that God knows to help me, to encourage me, uh, to, to just put my mind at ease. Even though we go through difficulties, trials, and temptations, God knows where we are. God knows what's going on in our life. The last one I'm going to give you is in Jeremiah 29, 11, where he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Let me read that again. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, To give you an expected end. I don't know everybody in here. It's it's nice to see some uh, a few new faces and everything. I don't know where you what your standing is with the Lord. I don't know whether you used to come into church on Sunday night or whatever. I don't know whether you're saved or not. But if you're not saved, here's some things that God has put in the Bible. Things that you can know, and things that He knows about us that He wants to help us. Walk that consistent life so that when we die or get raptured out of here, when we stand before the Lord, we don't have to stand there ashamed and embarrassed. Father, I thank you for this time you've given to us to just look at your word, at the things that we already knew these things, but I never thought about putting them all down together about the things that you know and that your desire and your goal and your your great interest in us, no matter what's going on in our life, 
whether it be with the job, whether it be with our health, whether it be with the children, whether it be with the spouse, whether it be with the relatives, whether it, whether it be with the finances, whether it be with the government. Lord, you know what our desire. We know what's right, Lord. Thank you for giving us your word to continue to guide us in truth and to help us to choose right consistently. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, Pastor.